Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We are seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools Fools for for Christ. Christ. So, welcome to the show today. We are going to be talking about the celebration of Holy Week and Easter. Our recommendation, our advice on how you can make this little mini-season in the church the best yet. So we'll, we'll start and journey through Holy Week a little bit. Then we'll talk about Easter, the meaning of the resurrection, both for Christianity, individually for you, uh, and some things that you can do during the Easter Triduum to really make that tiny, shortest season of the church really, really special and grow closer to God. So, Awesome. Well, let's start with Holy Thursday. Yeah. So, Kimmy, Holy Thursday Mass, what comes to mind for you? Uh, the washing of the disciples' feet, because a, that's the, the Mass when the pastor washes the feet of some of the parishioners yeah. in the community. And what's interesting about Holy Thursday is that that Mass is the only Mass that that priest is allowed to say that day. And so it's a bringing together of everyone in that parish community for one Mass. That's really cool. In the same way that Jesus at the Last Supper was kind of instituting that for the entire church, that's just one solemn celebration for the entire parish. It's also the commemoration of the institution of the sacrament of the priesthood, which is a pretty yes. special thing. So the, um, to me, really, when I think about that, I, it's like it's almost like a birthday or <laughs> an anniversary celebration of remembering this this great, beautiful sacrament that we have in our life. It would not exist if it weren't for the Last Supper. And you see uh, between the uh, the institution of the Eucharist and the washing of the feet, you see the whole meaning of the Christian life there mm-hmm. in one little, little meal. I, oftentimes, whenever I'm personally distracted or forgetful of what the Mass is all about, and I find myself kind of like spacing out or wandering around looking at little random pieces of stained glass or something... Um, <laughs> I'll go back and I'll, especially when I get home, and I'll read the Last Supper narratives. And I will remind Mm. myself, this is about complete self-gift. This is God inviting me to give myself entirely to him. This is, I feel like the prodigal son story is there too. There's this invitation, return to the father, and he wants to make you a son. He wants to make you a daughter. Uh, And it's this, this invitation to be a part of a family the family of God. Yeah. Uh, and so when I, anytime I enter mass with that attitude, it's always a much more fruitful, uh, I'd say liturgy and worship for me. Um, I don't know how God's looking at it, but I have, I have to imagine <laughs> he likes those, likes those better as well. Um, but what's the, let's talk about the whole triduum, I guess for a moment. What's the, what's the point? Like, why do we have so, this little season? Well, wait, triduum is the fancy word for, um, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. Ah, okay, gotcha. So, so we want to just start with that. That that's when we say Triduum. It's T R I D U U M. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Those okay. three days. Gotcha. So what's the? Um, why do we have just a three-day liturgical season? What's going on there? 
That's a great question. Okay. Well, I would say, like, just to me kind of coming off the top of my head here, um, it's an opportunity to take Jesus at his word. Um, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, we have this opportunity to uh, almost by, like, by memory, by reliving in, in our thought, in our imagination, those, like, the three days of Jesus's life, the kind of his last time here on earth, which mm-hmm. was really less than 24 hours from the last mass of the last supper through the evening into the morning. Uh, and then we have good Friday and then there's the, the period where he's in the tomb. And so, uh, we transition from this period of, of sadness where, you know, we're thinking about the crucifixion on Friday up until 3 PM. And then after that, it's almost, uh, an invitation to, to be with him in the tomb. Yeah. And uh, I frequently put myself in the position of his, or try to enter into the mindset of his mother there and yeah. think, what would Mary be doing? Like on the, on the first Holy Saturday, mm-hmm. what was Mary doing? She knew her son was in the tomb. She knew her son was dead. She had just watched him be killed, but she also knows he's, he's coming back. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the, the doubts and the temptation were there and were crazy strong. But at the end of the day, there must have been great hope that he would rise. And just to, I mean, the knowledge that she would see her son again. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my, like, my walk through it. And it's the, I almost feel like Jesus is personally inviting me uh, to stay and keep watch with him in the garden. But mm. not just the garden, really, that whole time in Calvary. Uh, or the the whole time of Jesus's passion from the Last yeah. Supper. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I found a book by Saint Alphonsus Liguori, and mm-hmm. he had made a little uh, hourly schedule of the passion. So depending on what, like, if you wanted to stay up real late, mm-hmm. um, he laid out okay at nine o'clock. That's the hour of the Last Supper, and then ten o'clock. Then they go to um, the the garden, and then they're praying there for three hours, and so. It almost gives you this little schedule to pray with so you can constantly like stay up and keep watch with Jesus. Um, It was a really, really fun thing to do when, when I was 17 and didn't mind staying up all night. (laughs) Um, Now I don't, I don't stay up all night as much. Yeah. Well, one of the things that kind of blew my mind being, I just traveled to the Holy land, um, this past Christmas and just the, where things were located, um, make it very unlikely that these events happened within this three-day period. And so what was so interesting to me recognizing that was um, the church in her wisdom has really set aside three days for us to enter in. Yeah. And they've said, regardless of when these things actually happened and how quickly they happened and how far he had to travel to, <laughs> you know, to go to Herod and then back and then the yeah. pilot and then, you know, um, as improbable as that may have been for that to have just all occurred in one night, this is the night that we remember it. Right. This is the night that we enter in. And so in a beautiful way, it's more about our participation in that mystery. Yeah. Um, and that the church has decided that this is the time when we enter into this to participate in this mystery. And lest anybody think, like, why would the church do that? Like, why don't they just give us the actual dates? Well, the reason is, 
it's hard to keep a month solemn. It's hard to keep a month sacred. But it's not that hard to keep 24 hours or 48 hours sacred. Um, I mean, to me, that's actually far easier. Mm -hmm. um, Just something as simple as I I wrote a message on my mirror so that I would see it and be reminded of something. Well, how long do you think it took before I stopped paying attention to that (laughs) message? I mean, it was less than a week. So just the way we get used to things, we could not make a whole month sacred just and say, okay, we're going to think about the passion because it would get old and or not like we would get so accustomed to, to thinking, okay, now we're going to think about the passion. We're going to think about, uh, the crucifixion. We're going to think about the resurrection. Um, it wouldn't have the same potency, I think, and it wouldn't have the same impact on us. So, so it's just, it's a beautiful chance for us to enter in. Yeah. And, um, and I love that, that idea of entering into the tomb of Holy Saturday and that emptiness. Um, for me, Good Friday is my favorite service of my favorite liturgy out of the whole year. Yeah. Um, and that is one where um, everything is just so solemn, you know? Um, and, you know, Holy Saturday ends in the procession, the candlelit procession with the Eucharist. And that's a beautiful, um, but then you kind of remain in that vigil and that keeping watch mm-hmm. through Good Friday. And so when you come, it's this, this sense of like, um, we're here to remember Jesus dying on the cross, Yeah, you know? And it's just, it's my favorite, the focus on the cross, the veneration of the wood. Um, I used to actually go to a reliquary. So I would, when I was up in Pittsburgh, um, I made a pilgrimage on Good Friday oh, wow. to venerate the true cross oh, that's really on Good Friday, which is just a huge blessing. Yeah. But like, but those are the, that's the spirit of that day right. is embracing, picking up your cross as you, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, just as Jesus did and, and remaining in that solemn remembrance. Yeah. And the, uh, kind of one of the, the, the bits of genius and wisdom in the way the church has been doing this for thousands of years now is that they they give us like fr- from a teaching perspective they give us things that help us learn that help us understand so yeah. they contextualize it oftentimes people can, can be a bit hesitant like why are we why are we kissing a bit of wood why are we doing this <laughs> and it's uh, we need things like this to understand the situation like some people learn without having the context given to them, but most people, I would say probably all people learn yeah. far better when you contextualize the situation. When So to, I mean, imagine if, if you closed your eyes and someone said, okay, I'm going to teach you about uh, this great painter or this great artist, this great sculptor. Yeah. And they wanted you to understand it without seeing anything. Without, <laughs> that would I mean, be it would be really difficult. No. And some people, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you were born blind or you lost your yeah. vision, you would just have to do that. Or if you, didn't have your hearing and you were trying to learn about music, that'd be really hard Mm -hmm. because those are, those things are the medium through which we learn about something. Well, what are, what's the medium through which we learn about history? Sometimes it's those, those like artifacts, if you will, Mm -hmm. that remind us and help us imagine. They allow us to, to recreate and make present the whole scene again in our, uh, in our memory when we have that. So to me, I love having, um, just something as simple as a bare wood cross yeah. to kiss, or whether it's a crucifix, or whether it's a cross, whether it's a nail, anything to um, to serve as almost like a mental 
uh, beacon and say like, mm-hmm. keep going along this train of thought and you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say for me, I love, I love Holy Thursday mass. Uh, but to me, it's all about, um, the Easter vigil. <laughs> and I think ever since college yeah. seeing in high school, I knew some people who came into the church through the Easter vigil. Yeah. Um, and that was a, a really fun celebration. I remember that it's probably the, my earliest remembrance of going to some kind of celebration, a feast that was solely for, uh, celebrating this person's entrance into the church and the mm-hmm. resurrection. So it was the first resurrection party I'd say I, I've ever had. <laughs> and I recommend everybody have a resurrection. Yes. Party. In fact, I can't think of a better event <laughs> to have that for. Um, but when I was in college, I remember seeing people received into the church who were part of campus ministry, who are our friends, who we hung out with yeah. and just recognizing like this person is now like they can receive the body of Christ. Yeah. They are now uh, fully in union with our Lord and that means with, with me and the mystery of the church, the mystical body of the church. So even though I might not know people personally who are coming into the church, just to see that and to feel the joy and the excitement for those mm-hmm. people and know like they are becoming part of this great, <laughs> big, beautiful thing. I love it. It makes me so, so excited. <laughs> and we used to get super loud we did, when we yeah. were in college. No, I mean, and I think it was the... Our pastor actually encouraged us. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and you know, you it's cause for celebration. I mean, it's not. I would say it's it's different than applause. I mean, it's not like when if if someone would argue you shouldn't applaud in church, you shouldn't clap in church. I I kind of like I fall on both sides at the same time. I'm like, yeah, I want to keep it reverent. I want to keep this song. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not applauding anybody but our Lord Mm -hmm. for what He's done. Like this in one moment is the entire mystery of salvation made present. Mm-hmm. This person has just entered, like received the fullness of life. Mm-hmm. And what other response is there than pure and utter joy? Yeah. And for mm-hmm. us to not praise God because of that, yeah. um, I would say, for me personally, it would, like, it would be too much reserved to not give God the praise he's due. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I stopped short of saying everybody else should do that. But um, I personally need to do that. So... Uh, well, and then uh, our our tradition in college was to then go straight into our Easter break fast. Yeah. Um, so it was our resurrection party up at Franciscan. They do the same thing, actually. They call it the resurrection party, and it goes until like three or four in the morning. Yeah. Um, right after the Easter. Well, of course, <laughs> their Easter vigil service lasts like four hours. Oh, yeah. It's no, ridiculous. But um, it's beautiful. I loved it. But... Um, some prefer to do more of the sunrise service, so yeah. the Easter Sunday, you know, waking up at dawn as if you're waking up right. the same moment that Jesus comes out of the tomb, you know, and yeah. seeing the sunrise, seeing the sun rise yeah. and seeing our, the sun, the second person of the Trinity rise as well. Yeah. Um, there's beautiful correlation there and um, it's a beautiful Easter celebration as well. I believe traditionally churches were built facing East yes. so that they would... Uh, they still be, should be. Yeah. Occasionally they're not. Uh, <laughs> my, I think our parish is actually the altar, like the community faces West. Oh um, yeah. Right. When, but when you, um, the priest, when he's celebrating mass, actually the sun is rising the direction the priest is facing. Okay. But the, I, I remember talking to one of the priests who was influential in the founding of Ave Maria down in Ave yeah. Maria, Florida. And he, when he heard about churches being built 
so that on a certain feast day, they would face the precise location oh, that the sun goodness. comes up on that day. He went to the architect and said, all right, th- the church needs to be adjusted to this angle so that on the feast of the Immaculate Conception, the altar is pointing directly east, and that's exactly where the sun rises. Wow. And I think I believe they did that. I think the architect was that's like, okay, awesome. that's, that's fine, we can do that. Um, but <laughs> well, and then the, their whole community is built around that, too, yeah, so that's absolutely. impressive. Yeah, so it's... That's a be- again like a, a context for understanding what's going on. I mean, the people who dwell in darkness have seen a great light, mm-hmm. uh, and the light of nations shines on all of us. And talking about light too, um, that's one of the things that always sticks out to me with these services. So all it's going through all the way to the Easter Vigil on Holy Thursday, we start in light, yeah, and we end up with candles yeah. and a candlelit procession. We end up in darkness, yeah. Good Friday is very solemn. There are no flowers. There are no, um, there's really, the, the altar is bare. bare. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not and even they, like driftwood. Yeah. They, just, it's, they take everything off. It's all gone. Um, and then Holy Saturday, you come in and it's still dark. Yeah. Um, for the Easter vigil. And they begin turning on the lights as the liturgy progresses. Yeah. And it's, you end up in light and you, you pat the candles, come back. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's you being the light, Christ in you. I've, the light themes um, throughout Holy Week and into Easter is beautiful as well. I agree, yeah. I um, If I were to ever build a church, I would actually specifically set the lighting so that I could do this amazing <laughs> increase of light. During just the, for Easter yeah, Vigil? Yeah, just for the Easter Vigil. <laughs> it might not be used any time else the rest of the year, but it would be, I guess that if... If Thinking money ahead. not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so, and then that leads us into this idea of resurrection. Yeah. Right? And so what are we really celebrating at Easter? We're celebrating the fact that the Son of God rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, redeems us of our sins, like creates the church, restores us to our relationship with God. All of these things offers us the opportunity of eternal life yeah. with God in heaven, like a, a transformation of our body into a glorified state so we're not just ghosts floating around. But it, yeah. really, it makes sense of all, of all of human life, I would say, um, from this idea that we're a body-soul uh, creature with both a body and a soul. And this, we're, not, we're not ghosts trapped in a cage, but this is the way we're created to be for all eternity once we've been redeemed. Mm-hmm. And I can't, to me, the resurrection is synonymous with joy and happiness (laughs) and just celebration. And when I think of the early church, the spread of the early church doesn't make sense unless the resurrection is real. Like Mm. if, uh, when I would say that like the block that everybody stumbles on when they try to explain the resurrection away and say, oh no, it didn't really happen. It was just made up or symbolic nonsense yeah christianity would have failed and fallen apart before it ever got going Mm. if it weren't real and instead you have an explosion i mean it's like this (laughs) there's an unbelievable force driving christianity outward yeah and so to my mind the only thing that makes sense is the son of god rose from the dead demonstrated he has power over death we don't need to be afraid and there is no greater cause for joy in all human existence Amen. So I love I love Easter. I love Christmas <laughs> and I love Easter. Those are those are the two best days. So yeah, if I have to stay up till three o'clock partying, that's probably like it's worth it. You know, it's only going to happen once a year. Um, 
Yes. But every Easter, or every Holy Week rather, um, it's good to thinking of this idea that we are walking with Jesus. It's a journey with him, almost like the, our own little way of the cross, our own Calvary. Mm-hmm. It's good to um, to offer something to him and say, like, Lord, this is this is an area of my life almost where I need the grace of the resurrection. Yes. Yeah, I need to, this is where I need to be brought to life. Yeah. So, like, that could be your family relationships. That could be a marriage, relationship with friends, work relationships. But it could also be bad habits, vices, sins. Yeah. It could be um, that your understanding of your vocation, you know, giving up that discernment. Yeah. I mean, anything where, where you say, Lord, to, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Um, the, the kind of the beauty of Christianity, and this is, this is part of the mystery of our faith, is the, um, the grace of redemption doesn't wait until heaven. Like, it's, it's here now, it's present. We begin to experience the total redemption of the human experience now. Now, we, it, we don't fully experience it, but we're getting there. Mm-hmm. And that means, like, when there's areas of our life where we feel like this is this is not good, it causes suffering, uh, it's holding us back in some way. God wants to redeem that too. You could say He wants to resurrect the good that's there. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we become very complacent and we say, "Oh well, I'm just always going to have to deal with this person. I'm always going to have to deal with yeah. this relationship." Yeah. And we don't allow God to be God. It's almost like we mm-hmm. look at Jesus on the cross and say you're not powerful enough to fix this problem. Yeah. Which wouldn't, even like my own self saying it that way, I'm like, ooh, that, that's not good. Yeah. Like, of, of course he can. He can do far more than that. Yeah, of course it's not the right way to look at it. But that, honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, that's frequently what we do with our own problems is we become complacent in them, like you said. Yeah. And then we say, well, this is just my cross yeah. that I have to carry. And Sometimes, yes. Sometimes the Lord is asking us to carry that cross. Um, but his his yoke is easy, his burden is light right. at the same time. And so very frequently in myself, I've found that the burdens I'm carrying are not the ones that he intended me yeah. to carry. And so there's a, that constant process of, well, Lord, now I'm overwhelmed. Is this really what you wanted me to be doing? Is this really the cross that you wanted me to carry? Right, yeah. You think, especially working for the church, it's so easy to think, well, I have to do this. Yeah. And it's just always going to be this way. And sometimes you can get very bogged down. And that's, uh, this is one of those opportunities to say, Lord, I need you to enter into this part of my life and cure my blindness or help me walk again, help me see mm. again. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and this is ultimately, like, my plan this this triduum and this Easter, uh, without going into too much detail here, I do have a particular relationship that needs a lot of healing in my life right now. And, um, I know it's very clear to me that the Lord is calling me to this particular time to seek that healing and to seek that bringing to life, that revitalization, that resurrection, right? Yeah. And so what I'm going to be doing is um, this Holy Thursday, when we are celebrating the Last Supper, 
and when we are celebrating the sacrifice of the Mass um, and the service of the washing of the feet, I'm going to also be laying down my situation at that Mass. And I'm going to be saying, you know, um, in this particular situation, there's this service and there's sacrifice that you've called me to, and I'm giving it back to you, and I'm laying it down, and I'm making this my offering of this Mass. Um, and then as I journey into Good Friday, on Good Friday, I'm going to be looking at the death of our Lord and looking at what are the things associated with the situation that, that need to die? You know, what are the lies that I've believed with this relationship? What are, um, what are the parts that need healing? What are the things I need to let go of? What am I going to allow to die at the foot of the cross with Jesus? Yeah. Um, you know, and entrusting, entrusting it to the Lord because where else we want to be, but at his feet. (laughs) Um, and so there's certainly a great peace there. Um, but it's certainly an inward, inward focus for me this year of what are those, what are those things I need to let go of? And then carrying that in through Holy Saturday um, as a, a preparation piece for the resurrection. So what do I need to do in myself to prepare to now rejoice? Yeah. Because when you're dealing with a difficult situation, there's there's healing that needs to happen. And then there's a certain thing of like, there's a self-care piece. <laughs> and that um, that needs to happen before you can truly enter into right. the rejoicing. And so in the emptiness of Holy Saturday, in the, the waiting, I'm going to make that an active waiting for me of, um, of looking towards that, uh, Easter joy of preparing myself for the Easter joy and then hopefully fully entering into it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So almost like anticipating that the Lord will will work the um, the healing that you're asking for. So, I mean, it's almost yeah. centering with a great amount of hope and trust that he is the divine physician and he will, like, enter into this relationship and bring resolve, bring peace, bring healing. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, a, like, the best way to go into, like, I mean, you're offering the Lord complete trust. I mean, I was, as you were speaking, I kind of got this image of, like, wandering through the, the imagine if your your soul were a castle yeah and had all these rooms and there's some rooms that are locked and we won't mm. let the lord in mm-hmm. there and saying lord this is now it's time to, to enter this room i trust you right like there's nothing i'm holding back from you and yeah. knowing the light might be blinding at first <laughs> and then it will bring truth and, and mm-hmm. peace mm-hmm. well I will pray that your true to him is wonderful. <laughs> Cammie, please do the same for me. And I we will hope certainly. that all of you have a blessed, blessed true to him and a joyous, happy, celebratory Easter. So thank you for joining us, everyone. And we hope you have a great day. Happy Easter. Bye. God bless. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.